My name is Ani Finelli. Soon, I'll be an editor at the New York Times Magazine. Your voice is simply peerless. And in six weeks, I'm getting married in a lavish but tasteful ceremony. Luke comes for money. Let's go, babe. But I have something no trust fund can buy. The Edge. Love my work. Hate babies. I'm this close to the life no one thought I deserved. This is Ani. Nice to meet you. Mr. Larson, it's me. Tiffany. Tiffany? Hey everybody, welcome back to the Luck It All podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com, photo, video, digital media production. Today we are discussing The Luckiest Girl Alive. The Luckiest Girl Alive is a 2022 mystery thriller film directed by Mike Barker from a screenplay by Jessica Canole based on her 2015 novel of the same name. The film stars Mila Kunis, Finn Wood- Woodrock, Scoop McNary, Thomas Bar- Barbushka, uh, Jennifer Beals, and Connie Britton. The Luckiest Girl Alive was released in cinemas in select cinemas on September 30th, 2022, before streaming its release on October 7th, 2022 by Netflix. So, I, um, a little bit, uh, at a loss for words for this movie. There's not many movies that kind of come across of this type of story, um, going into it, uh, basically the only thing I knew was Mila Kunis was getting booed at on Jimmy Kimmel or something like that for some random comment about her not liking New York pizza or something like that. I'm not even sure. That's beside the point. So that this was the only thing I knew about it was that it was a controversial film. I had absolutely no idea what I was going into. So going into it and watching the first, uh, you know, uh, 10, 20, 15 minutes to kind of initial, to get the initial take on it, I kind of thought this was going to be uh, a heist film or some sort of con job. It is kind of the exact opposite. Um, this is a hard, hard movie to discuss in um, detail in the non-spoiler section, but without talking about it, without spoiling it for everyone... Um, I do want to kind of uh, preload this podcast at the front with uh, somewhat of trigger warnings. Um, There are different types of violence happening in this film that can be extremely controversial, to say the least. And there are experiences that have happened in this film that I cannot relate to on um, this, uh, the, the level of having gone through those things. And so I'm going to kind of have to tiptoe around a lot of the types of violence that is happening in this film. It's, um, uh, I, I can be a little bit more specific about it, but they're just going into it. If you think that, um, this movie might, uh, bring up, you know, bad feelings or PTSD or something like that, maybe get a little bit more insight on the movie about what you're about to watch, because this is um, a pretty brutal movie. Uh, I was kind of looking at the poster and thinking about Mila Kunis's uh, 
previous work and I was thinking the entire time I don't think I've seen her in a movie this dark and uh, definitely not this controversial let me see if there's anything else that I can really um, go through the background of this movie uh, the director maybe this will kind of align uh, some people um, the director is Mike Barker he is uh, f- Director known for uh, other television series such as The Sandman, which was on Netflix as well. Um, but the the types of violence that we're going to get ready to talk about are uh, definitely up the alley of The Handmaid's Tale. And it seems that he's directed a number a number of episodes between seasons one and five. And so. If you have any idea what the Handmaid's Tale is, it's very, it's a very oppressive um, television show with regards to how they are treating the women in the show, and so this movie is very much up that alley of this, just this. Uh, I, I'm gonna keep saying it, is uh, this oppressive type feeling of a of a movie, um, very brutal and. Um, you know, it it's covering things that happen, you know, unfortunately, day to day and especially other uh, types of violence that we're going to talk about in the spoiler section. But, um, you know, these things do happen, unfortunately, and they it's not something that I want to completely focus on in the podcast about, you know, whether or not this should be shown, you know, what is art, what is not art, Um and whether this book is um, based off of a true story, which I, I really don't have too much knowledge about. Let me see if there's anything I can. Um, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about this movie in the overall plot perspective without getting into too many spoilers of you know the endings of what happened but this is going to be very much the the gist of what uh the the core of the movie of why it is controversial so if you want to go into it knowing all of those trigger warnings knowing this is very high high intense violence it was a two-hour movie, and it felt like a four-hour movie, uh, personally. Like, I was I was ready to kind of quit halfway through, but it was just kind of unrelenting, and it, it just hit these notes and storytelling that I was just like, you know, honestly, this is not my type of story, but I gave it credit for, um, you know, touching these types of subjects. And so, uh, let me see. Let's talk, here is what the novel is based on. Uh, the the book is based off in the novel, which you know here's the story. the um, The novel follows a young woman who has sought to reinvent herself in her adult life, following a series of horrifying events during her teenage years, which initially the first fifteen minutes, fifteen twenty minutes, it feels like this. Uh, you know, the Mila Kunis character is is trying to reinvent herself in a way that she has done, you know, some sort of crazy heist or she has this like self-awareness about her that feels like she's like ready to, 
you know, to plan a con of some sort. And it feels like that kind of movie at first, but then it slowly morphs into way more of a, a drama as we're going through the movie. And I'm not really talking about the, the, the entire thing yet in spoiler section, but as the movie progresses, you learn way more about that. This is not, uh, you know, like, like I thought watching it originally, this is not the, you know, the smart girl that is, um, uh, you know, kind of in the hustle of, I thought it was the, the typical, the, the person that's down on their luck and then figures out if they come together with a couple other ragtag teams and then they figure out how to flip the switch and, you know, maybe steal a few million from uh, a couple of guys or something like that. I thought it was going to be like, uh, what was that Queen Latifah, Mo- something money, um, Queen Latifah money, money heist, was it money heist? What was it called? Mad Money. I, I thought it was like a Mad Money thing or something like that. You know, get the get the girls all together and they're going to rob the bank or rob the guy or something. I thought it was going to be that. This movie is not that. <laughs> it is definitely a, a, a movie about uh, a female that has gone through some extremely horrific and traumatic events. And some of those events are affecting the other events that have, uh, you know, followed her. And so, uh, during the book, the lead character, Ani, uh, Finelli is also referred by several different names, Tiffany, Finelli, Tiff, and, uh, Finney. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a hard watch. So the specific things that happen in this movie that uh, make it very difficult to talk about, um, this is sort of a spoiler, but these are, these are the trigger warnings that I want you to know going into it. I, I don't want to be like, oh, this sensationalist thing, you know, listen in the spoiler section and then and you'll know what it is. It's, I don't want to put it at, at that tier. It's not like that. This movie deals with um, a teenage girl, which is uh, Mila Kunis' character, um, younger and she is, uh, she's raped. She's, uh, technically gang raped by a couple of her quote unquote, uh, male friends from high school. And they really aren't her friends, obviously, but, um, they, it's kind of the way that it's shot is through a series of flashbacks of you trying to understand why, um, you know, why Mila Kunis' character is the way she is. She she kind of comes off as a character of, uh, I'm not like, I feel like uptight's the wrong word, but, you know, kind of a little bit more stiff and a little bit more introverted than you would probably expect a, a girl that, um, uh, to, to normally look and act like, I guess, would be the, the regular protocol, I guess you would say there. I know I'm trying to tiptoe around this. I'm not saying like you, if you look a certain way, you're supposed to act a certain way, but she, you know, she normally, uh, Kunis comes off as someone that has exudes a little bit more confidence than not. And so that's what I was expecting her character to play in this. But, you know, having these flashbacks of her traumatic experiences of that on top of, so, um, she, we, we find out that she's assaulted and there is also a school shooting that happens um, uh, that is somehow tied to this uh, assault that has happened to her, to this rape that's happened to her. And 
Um, and it's, it's literally a, a book or a film. I'm not exactly sure how much, uh, accuracy the movie is to the film off the top of just, uh, reading the Wikipedia and some other pages on it. But, um, it is an extremely controversial subject to say the least. Um, and so I was very kind of, I wasn't shocked and appalled, but I was just like, wow, this is like two seriously oppressive subjects that normally a movie would only have time to tackle only one of them. Um, so I, I kind of came to the decision around halfway through it that I knew that I didn't think I was going to like the ending, but I wasn't exactly sure a hundred percent how it was going to end, but it was sort of kind of coming out on a, a spectrum of a, a little bit of predictability, but it was just such an, a, a brutal movie and heavy to watch movie. It was, it's hard to even talk about it now. Um, it kind of got me a little fucked up just watching it and having not experienced either one of those types of traumatic violence, especially at such a young age. Um, you know, thank goodness. Um, and, just not being able, you know, you can only be so sympathetic without kind of understanding uh, the the empathy that you would need to have. Having to, you know, be actually in those situations to understand the seriousness of them. So, yeah, normally we don't like to get, uh, you know, too serious on the podcast, but I thought this was kind of an important um, film to kind of review, mostly because the subject is not touched upon very often. And, um, uh, I unfortunately had a friend, uh, not just the other day after watching this, tell me that she was, uh, sexually harassed at work. And, um, you know, there's, I feel like there's only so much I can do as a, uh, I don't know, late twenties male, um, not in the corporate world and, and not in like around tons and tons of, you know, people and, uh, you know, guys to, you know, keep, you know, tell everyone, you know, to be fair and to be hands to yourself, don't hurt people kind of thing. So I'm, I'm very much running in my own lane. So to hear that is, uh, very dismaying, unfortunately, but, um, you know, it's, it's something that happens on such a regular basis that it, it kind of, I don't know the statistic. I want to say last I saw it was one in three women that have been either harassed or assaulted in some sort of way. Um, yeah, I I could just be making that number off the top of my head. I don't really have the statistics. Um, but I know that the number is absurdly high. And, um, you know, we just need to do better, honestly. You know, I, I, I know the people on the pod listen to the podcast is like, uh, you know, preaching to the choir. But... Um, I still think that, you know, we could still do better. Anyways, I'm I'm trying to do my part by uh kind of covering the um the the, the film by, you know, at least discussing the uh, absurdity of how high the ratio of women have been uh uh you know, abused and assaulted in some sort of way. So, uh yeah, like like I said, this is a heavy ass movie. I don't I don't really know much what's more to say about that in the non-spoiler section. Um but I know there's a lot a ton of articles uh coming out that are saying that um you know, there should be a trigger warning before this movie. There's uh let me see what these other articles are saying. Um 
yeah yahoo no yahoo news viewers demand trigger warning for the film um let me see anything else uh the ending apparently was changed from the book i'm not exactly sure what the book let me see if i can find off the top of my head i probably should have done this earlier but um we're gonna do it now fuck it we're gonna do it live oh no i hate when i get all these cookies and stuff they're like let me just track your ass no, no, no. Um, let me see. So anyways, um, I was kind of like, uh, I was very unsure about how the movie was going to end. But at a certain point, I was like, okay, this is, you know, the come up story, essentially. Um, sort of retribution a little bit. But anyways... Um, let's talk about this movie in the spoiler section. We're going to hop on in there. Um, and again, for, uh, October, we're releasing scary movie, uh, reviews from like the Nightmare on Elm Street all the way to the Rang. We got some, uh, a little bit more lighthearted horror for you and not so much real stuff, um, like, uh, like this. Honestly, Netflix has been a little bit brutal for me. I'm watching it. It's been super oppressive just between the Jeffrey Dahmer series. You know, my quick review of that is it's it's a little bit, it's way too long. It kind of sexualizes Dahmer a little bit more than I'd like. The smell didn't make sense to me. Um, but there's one episode, episode six of uh, the Jeffrey Dahmer, um, you know, the Jeffrey Dahmer case. And I just... Uh, it's just not for me. It feels like a lot of this stuff is very dark, and I'm just not really feeling it at this moment. It's a little bit more dark than I want to be dealing with, it, you know, day-to-day. What was it, 10 hours of Jeffrey Dahmer? Ugh, I don't need all that. So having this to, you know, to, to uh, you know, right after having the luckiest girl alive, you know, watching it right after Jeffrey Dahmer was not exactly... Uh, super cheerful in my book, but anyways, let's hop into the spoiler section. We'll get this um, this road on the show. All right, here's the plot. At first glance, 28-year-old Ani appears to have a perfect life. She works as an editor at a glamorous New York City women's magazine and has a loving fiance and a good family. Um, yet Ani also hides a secret. As a teenager, she underwent a series of horrifying and emotionally crippling events, including a school shooting that have continued to impact her well into her adult years. During the course of the film, it is revealed that Ani was gang raped when she was 14 years old. She tried reaching out for her help after, uh, reaching out for help after her assault, but was subjugated to cruel bullying and taunted and taunts by her peers. As the story progresses, Ani begins to question whether she is truly happy with who she has become and if her current life is the one that she wants and needs. And that is the plot of the movie. Um, it is, an, like I've said, I think four or five times now, it's super oppressive. The first five or ten minutes kind of feel like you, if you have no idea what you're going in for, um, like I said, it kind of feels like we're in the head of Ani 
and she's over here trying to, you know, figure out her boss, how she can get the job up, you know, figure out how to get the best man. And she gets, she's got all this, this bling, um, which she's not exactly hurting for. There's like this, this, this weird class discrepancy between her and the rest of her schoolmates, even though her mom's driving a BMW, I believe it really doesn't, this movie tries to tackle literally so many things from, uh, you know, the, the, the rape that she goes through to the, uh, the school shooting to the, um, uh, the class disparaging between her and her other fr- uh, the other people at school, it is just relentlessly going for the shotgun approach of every triggering thing that you could probably think of. The only thing I, I think the two things I didn't really talk about were probably uh, you know people being homophobic and or um, uh, racist or something like that. You know, that those were the two things I feel like if they would have hit those two things, it would have hit almost every trigger trigger subject that you probably could have hit. But anyways, you know, between all of that, I was, uh, I was like, damn, this is, uh, okay. Let me see. Is this a Reese Witherspoon production? Hold on with Reese Witherspoon. Okay. So I guess, Damn. Okay, so in 2015, it was announced that Lionsgate acquired the film rights to The Luckiest Girl Alive uh, by uh, Miss Knoll, um, with Reese Witherspoon set to produce under the Pacific Standard banner. In 2021, February 2021, it was announced that Mila Kunis would star in the film, with Mike Barker set to direct the film, with script by Knoll, and um, Netflix set to distribute in Lionsgate, and Witherspoon no longer attached. Okay, so she dropped out. Um, I know that she has... A, Witherspoon has a big production company. I think it was called like... Something Sunshine? Happy Sunshine? I don't know. Some sort of production company. And she's been booking it in that uh, for quite a long time. Is it Hello Sunshine? I don't know. Um... Anyways, uh, I can't find where a production company is. Anyways, I digress. This film, let me let me tell you what I like about it. Let me tell you what I don't like about it. This just from the perspective of uh, what I got from the strict of the film. This has no no bearing on um, anything else but what I saw in the film. So, anyways. Um, it's very oppressive. I think I feel like tonally it kind of stays the same the whole way. It's very uh, kind of dark, dreary. Not much uh, levity in this uh, in the story, and I know there's not much room to have levity. I think it's the first hour is kind of understanding older um, Ani, and then it kind of flows into younger Ani. And I think the younger the young Ani perspective and her the the young ani performance the story is way more engaging and interesting than older ani ironically i found mila kunis's performance you know very um very uh to the t as in she doesn't have too much too much more than just kind of being the the 
saying that she's the victim sounds like it's putting it at her fault. And I don't want to put that, you know, that Mila Kunis's character is the victim. But from the script, she's not allowed to express herself till like maybe the very end. And it feels like she's kind of trying to hide herself from her friends. And I feel like young Ani was... Uh, given a lot more meat on the bone from the writing perspective. But then there's a point where Mila Kunis's character, Ani, um, really gets to, you know, kind of unleash and, um, you know, release her emotions. And I feel like if you would have just done that earlier, it would have been a little bit more interesting of a movie. Um, because most of the time we're kind of following her and she's just, she's with this guy who just is, he's, you know, he's not obviously a rapist and he's not obviously assaulting her, but he is just kind of the most bleh kind of guy. And basically she's just with this guy. I feel like mostly because he's got money, decent looking and, you know, his got the family all put together. So it's, you know, the white picket fence kind of deal, the, the, everyone gets to go, you know you know, live in a happy house and a happy home and do whatever at the end. You know, it, it feels very um, by the numbers. And and I felt like the first hour, I was like, there's no way she's going to end up with this guy. And it feels like till the very end, the very, very end, that she decides, all right, I need to get out of this thing. And it's right after the, the marriage. And so... Um, and, and thank goodness we got to skip the wedding. I was like, this, this movie has gone on entirely too long. I felt like hour and 10 minutes of it. And we've seen her get gang raped by three different guys and, uh, you know, assaulted. And then on top of that, she's trying to, you know, she's trying to tell the, uh, the teacher and the principal. And, you know, it, it, it reminds me of that one show on, um, Netflix. It was, uh, un traceable not untraceable undocument no there's um there's a show that had um what is her name hereditary had um god dang what is it tony collette in it what the heck was that called i'm gonna find it i'm gonna find it all right it Anyways, this movie very much reminds me of uh, that film when she's she's not believed. Uh, what is that? All right, Tony Collette has a fuck ton of stuff. Hold on. Yeah, well, they have a whole other page for her performances. All right, untraceable stage. Oh, she does stage acting too? Didn't know that. Unbelievable. Okay, I was close. It was an un-something. So anyways, Unbelievable was a, a show about a girl that was been that has been raped and um basically they don't believe her. And it is one of the most triggering things I've seen on Netflix in a while. Um this is this movie kind of goes up there with it. Um it it obviously doesn't uh, go to that degree of uh uh of seven episodes of a girl that's not being believed, but it is very much of that um same style so um yeah what else do we got to talk about the performances are all very good I think some of them are a little bit more over the top as in like all right it's kind of um it's kind of predictable in a way but uh you know oh here's the here's the drunk mother oh here's the the asshole in-laws oh here's the boss that's a hard ass but kind of likes 
the main character enough to kind of give him a kick in the ass in the right direction. You know, it kind of feels by the numbers when it comes to these characters, but the 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 performances are all great about uh all great with them. So they don't exactly they're not hindered by uh the kind of sub subpar writing when it comes to um the by the numbers book of them. Um but uh yeah, I love Scoop McNary. He's been in tons of things. He was in Godless. That was a a great Netflix show uh that I thought kind he you know he plays one of his best in there performances in there um and uh shiara ariella is the canadian is canadian i don't know if she's canadian oh mexican actor no no she's from u.s new mexico um so she's the young actress that plays young ani i believe and um you know she does uh, an amazing job. I think the performance of Young Ani is is uh, up there with some of the better performances this year. This movie, I'll tell you now, is a six out of ten for me, mostly because of the overbearing tone of it. But the performances are all really, really good. Um, hers, especially, I think, is up there. Um, kind of like when I was talking about the Jeffrey Dahmer stuff, like. Evan Peters plays the shit out of that character, and he embodies a weird, creepy motherfucker. Um, and there's uh, actors that play some of the um, the victims in that series. And honestly, all of those performances, fantastic. But I, I think that it just go- kind of goes to what it means to me. I can love a performance, and I can respect a performance, but that doesn't mean I'm going to love the final product. So, continuing on with this movie, um, you know, there's really not too much to talk about except for the other half of the the most depressing side of this. So, we are being alluded to in this movie for, I don't know how long, uh, uh, I think it's like 30 minutes, that there is a school shooting that uh, Ani has some sort of relationship relation to, and... There is this asshole named uh, Dean Barton who's kind of pointing the finger at her somehow. And you find out that by um, by what had happened in the, uh, the flashbacks, that basically after she was uh, raped by uh, all those guys, that there were two other guys that were kind of on, this, on the other spectrum of being bullied and... They were, they're kind of assholes to her as well. I, this is this is what my other part about this movie I didn't like. Um, there's two guys that are in her, you know, in her class that you know decide to run through the school with a uh, with a gun and basically shoot a whole bunch of people and to have a movie or probably to have a book or anything like that basically to have any sort of medium that talks about the the um, the shooting of kids in a high school is just an extremely difficult topic for people to you know um to discuss it's a controversial ass controversial ass subject um it feels like for to even discuss but 
you know, Netflix is like, shit, we'll, we'll make a movie about it. We'll put it on our shit. It's going to be number one. And when, when I watched it, it was number one. Um, so essentially these two guys kind of go on a rampage going through the school shooting, you know, the, the kids and stuff like that. And it's just extremely hard to watch. It's, it's heartbreaking. Even the guys, you know, that, um, you know, assaulted Ani, it's, it's kind of like the guys were going after these students, uh, you know, these guys with the guns were going after the students, um, kind of in revenge for what they did to Ani. And it's like, oh my God, it's like this. And she's being accused at, uh, at an older, at a later time by one of the guys, Dean, who raped her, that she was complicit in the um, the school shooting. And it's like, oh, God. It's, it just feels like two terrible different flavors of whatever. And, and, and you're just, like, combining them to make it just, just, just this evil, awful uh, medium of storytelling. And it's just it's so sticky and hard to watch. And um, I, I, I felt like I whiplashed on it. Like, I was... I was watching the first hour, and I was like, I'm done with this movie. I really don't care about it. I'm not going to review it. I don't give a shit about it because it's just got me all fucked up. And I was like, I don't blame anyone for feeling positive about it or negative about it. I just felt like I didn't want anything to do with it. And then it continued on, and it felt like the last 40 minutes were just like a fucking roller coaster of hell. And... I guess I kind of whiplashed from it and saying that I was kind of offended from it. Uh, I was a little offended watching it to like having respect for it by just having the absolute gall to have the, the, I don't know, the culpability of saying like a rape victim had anything to do with a school shooting. It, it's just like three fucked up things, just everything coming together. And then, you know, at one point, one of the, one of her former friends who is the, the one of the gunmen, you know, gives her the gun to shoot, you know, one of the uh, guys that raped her. And it's just like, what am I doing? Am I am I mentally supposed to root for her at that point? It's just like, let's just have like the most evil, heinous things that these, you know, these characters have to do. And I was, you know, I don't. I'm, I feel like I'm fucked up just talking about it. Like it, it's hard to even talk about for me. Um, and yeah, so what I'm seeing is the cinematographer on here, Colin Watts Watkinson won an uh, primetime Emmy award for outstanding cinematography for a single camera series, um, for Offred and, uh, Offred, the pilot episode of the handmaid's tale. Okay. So this is, you know, the cinematography definitely felt like very um, uh, purposeful, and it felt very confident, and, you know, I appreciated it, but uh, this was just a very hard watch, um, and it's super controversial. Like I said, like you've heard everything that I really have to say about this film. Um, there's no right or wrong. It's just kind of fucked Um I'm sure some people are going to be like, she was totally justified. Other people are going to be like, I can't believe they would even think that she's justified. I'm really not here to say whether she is or not. I'm just kind of here to, you know, to pass on the, um, uh, 
pass on the story knowledge and for you know people to be kind of informed about what they're going into and what to kind of expect um but yeah this was uh this was a tough watch everyone you know this was uh this was a tough one but um i'm glad we got a, a, a somewhat um i hope insightful review and i hope uh that uh people kind of take it to heart that you know this is a this is a tough watch and uh it's definitely not for everybody i'll say that but like i said it's about a 6 out of 10 I'm seeing about a 6.4 out of 10 for most people on IMDb, which I, I could definitely see that. Um, but yeah, so let me know what you think about the review. Let me know what you think about the um, Luckiest Girl Alive. Um, how can I improve on type uh, reviews like this that are not so much subjugated to like what my opinion is and more or less like what everyone else is thinking about it. Cause you know what my, you know, my opinions, you know, minuscule in the bucket, it's a drop in the bucket. Um, but it's what everyone else is feeling is what's important to me. Um, but yeah, I hope that we did this with, uh, you know, the utmost respect for, um, the film and the topics that are covered in this. Cause that's all we mean, um, in this review and uh, on the podcast, you know, spread love, everyone, peace and love, all that stuff. <laughs> Uh, I feel like I would be a hippie back in the day. I feel like I'm sort of a hippie now. I don't know. Um, anyways, um, yeah. All right, everyone. Um, I, let me talk a little bit about the, the last little bit of, uh, the film. It's not really talked about on the Wikipedia page, so I'm just going to talk about it. Um, yeah, the ending of the film, essentially Dean Barton gets his, um, sort of, it um in the way that you know he participated in the rape and um you know he admits to what he's done i you know you could kind of see the writing on the wall of what was going to happen um you know this movie reminds me a lot of i think his name's Madison Cawthorn is that his name from Appalachian State is that what it is Madison, yeah, Madison Cawthorn was wasn't he? Uh, like, I know that he was in an accident that put him in a wheelchair, similar to what's. I know he wasn't sh he wasn't shot like this guy Dean Barton was, but I kind of felt like there was a little bit of finger pointing at the Madison Cawthorn character um, in real life. He's kind of this super conservative, right wing ass wipe that. Um, honestly, I could give a shit about, but, um, yeah, he's kind of, of that same nature. Um, I don't know, not really too much to say about it, but it, I definitely saw like, uh, like there was like similarities to it with respect of how the Dean Barton character was like, kind of like a sort of a politician a little bit, writing books and whatnot, kind of having a public figure, um, but yeah, I did. I did find the the interview uh, of this independent, um, you know, from the independent uh, director that's happening in this, um, a little bit icky. You know, if I don't know if I would ever want to do a, an interview with, like that, um, make it some sort of spectacle. Uh, it seemed very just controversial and way more negative than not you know i i 
I don't think I would ever think that she would sign up to want to be on some sort of interview like that. And then, of course, Dean rolls up on her. You know, they're on the second floor. Like, of course, the indie filmmaker knows that, you know, Dean's going to be there. And, of course, uh, Ani's going to be there. And he tries to apologize like she's not. Like, absolutely not. He, like, I, I was I was just pissed about that. Um, that they kind of, uh, you know, her trust was um, betrayed again. Um, so... I don't know. The only guy that feels like he's worth a shit is the Scoop McNary character, honestly. Um, and of course, it's Scoop McNary. He's good in everything. Um, but yeah, so that is the Luckiest Girl Alive 2022. It definitely did not make my top 10 of the year. Um, but if you would like to see the top 10 of the year list, go to luckadollpodcast.com and scroll all the way to the bottom, and you will see the top 10. Movies of the year. We are keeping it updated, up to date, about every week, kind of updating it. If you want to know what our top 10 movies are, that is the best place to go until we have the top 10 uh, movies uh, of 2022 announced at the end of the year. It's one of my favorite uh, videos to do, kind of to make sure everyone's in the loop and uh, knowing all, all the hot recommendations of the, I don't know, I think I've seen like 40 or 50 movies this year. So, um, yeah, and some of them I haven't, uh, some of them I have not actually covered, so um, you'll get some good insight in there as well. Um, speaking of other things, we have uh, luckadollpodcast.com for all the social medias, look in the links, get all the descriptions for all the uh, the fun things you can do and interact with with the Lucky Doll Podcast. Thumbs up, subscribe, let me know how I can improve. Like I said, I, this podcast is way opinion-based. It's not, you know, my opinion is not end-all, be-all. I always want to hear what everyone has to say. You have to get into the nitty-gritty details for the whole world. Do you like your life, Tiffany? Sometimes I feel like a wind-up doll. Turn my key, and I will tell you exactly what you want to hear.